Hi guys, this is Christina and welcome to our second episode. If you have not yet listened to our first episode, we definitely recommend to go ahead, go take a listen so you can learn a little bit more about us and what Latina Without Borders is about. If you're listening on the day this episode came out, today is November 20th. It's Latina Equal Pay Day. And this is actually a day that I personally didn't really not know a lot about. And it is something that is gaining more and more awareness. So for this important day, we had to bring on an expert. And that is Leanne Alfaro. She's a business journalist based in New York. Leanne is a first-generation American. Both her parents are from Mexico, and she's originally from Chicago. Right after university, she moved to New York, and she currently works for NASDAQ. She's a host, multimedia producer, and editor. In the past, she's worked as a contribution writer for NBC Latino and a producer at CNBC. Leanna only dives deep into what Latina Equal Pay Day actually means, but she also tells us about her experience working on an all-Latino team. Lastly, you're here, Leanne, get a bit personal. She tells us how she didn't always fully embrace being Latina. Growing up, she was always trying to assimilate to the white culture. And it actually wasn't until college that she started fully embracing being Latina in the U.S. and her Mexican culture. I feel like this is a story that many first-generation Latinos can relate to. It's something I personally can relate to. I did not fully embrace being Latina until I got to university. So hearing this story from Leanne is great and being able to relate to it. Also, I did want to let you guys know that my co-host Eliza is not on this week's episode. Actually, she's currently boarding a flight to Thailand as I speak. So yes, we're very jealous. And when she comes back, we're going to ask her everything about it and her first experience in Asia as a Latina. I did want to let you guys know that the format of this episode is going to be a bit different of the interviews moving forward. In this episode, we did have some audio issues, um, nothing too big. But instead of hearing us ask the questions to Leanne, we're actually going to have little breaks in between to help you guys move along throughout the interview. But that is pretty much it. I don't want to keep this intro too long. So here's Leanne. <laughs> So I grew up in Chicago, Illinois, in Humble Park, which is actually a Puerto Rican neighborhood. Um, I grew up a uh, daughter of immigrants. My parents are from Mexico, Guadalajara. And uh, currently, I am a multimedia producer and host at NASDAQ, the stock exchange and technology company. I did go to university. I went to the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, and I majored in journalism and minored in environmental science. So I've been wanting to write for as long as I can remember. As a kid, I would write journals and uh, the older I got I wanted to be a reporter but by older I meant like 10 years old so I would pretend to be a uh, a reporter a camera spokesperson uh, as a matter of fact I remember being in you, you guys know like the the online chat communities like when you were a kid okay, I don't know you joined not AOL like like like, like, like yes. kidnet.com <laughs> or like the 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 little like fake communities um with with like people from all around the world so okay. I this this is a kind of an odd story but it it was like a very early signal that I was like whoa I'm on to something I I was in one of these communities and they had like their own little newspaper and I wrote like a story that was like a think piece <laughs> about like news and it went viral in that community and I was like this is weird this is like 
journalism, but like Inception. I was just like, there's something here. So eventually I I was writing for all my school papers and then I was writing for the city paper at 16. And I was just like, you know, this is this is something real and I want to stick to my gut. So that's how I decided to study journalism. And here I am today. I was very open. I knew I had certain interests. So I've always been interested in culture and I've been interested in um, exploring social inequities. Um, Never had I thought of business, but when I moved to New York right out of university five years ago, there seemed to be an opportunity in business and not a lot of Latinas or people of color in the business sphere reporting. So that's what kind of drew me there. There was opportunity meets preparation and I fell into business journalism and I really, really liked it and I've learned a lot. Eliza and I are always getting into conversations about the pros and cons of being a Latina in the workplace. So when we met Leanne, we had to ask her, does she believe that there's cons of being a Latina? Sure. I would say there are no cons. Um, To anybody out there in their field who that feels like they're the only... Uh, one of their kind in the room, I would definitely say use that as an asset um, and bring your individuality to the table and it will be respected most of the time, uh, if not all the time. At NASDAQ, I honestly feel very welcomed. And I walked into that company being on a completely Latina team, which is very rare. So I felt very blessed and very special yeah no nasdaq has been amazing it's been an incredible journey i was hired by a uh, also mexican-american boss that i'd worked with previously and you know to a certain degree i can tell you that it that didn't matter because anyway at nasdaq i've always felt like my ideas have been respected and heard and i know that not everyone can say that but at the same time being on a Latina team does make a difference. You know, there's a certain kind of community that you build with these people because of a common understanding, understanding of your customs and understanding of your culture. Um, But that being said, again, I just, I feel very lucky to work where I work because they really do respect diversity as more than a number or a headcount. I think any Latina that you'll speak to will have quite a different narrative because for me, I actually felt the furthest from my cultural roots when I was growing up as opposed to now. I think I've had a kind of homecoming with my with my roots as in like where my parents are from and what my culture looks like and what that means about my identity. I think it was a series of events and it was much later in life than than I would have thought, but I think it was in college. It was in college because there was there there was a uh, uh, there was like a, a series of houses like the multicultural houses at the University of Illinois. And when you go to a state school, I don't know if you guys went to a state college. We both went to Hofstra. You went to private school. Yeah. Okay, private school. Yeah, yeah the, state schools can be a little bit of a bubble because it's literally like here's your college campus and then it's separated from everything else. And I, as much as I enjoyed my time there in in college there, um, I tended to gravitate to the. To the Latino house, but there I found that people had a very like had a lot of pride in their culture and a a big sense of cultural self. And I was just like, wow, I don't, I don't have this. And it's perhaps because I try to push it away in my assimilation. And that's not I, I I wouldn't blame anyone for it really. I would just say that I my mindset started to shift. I I took a different interest. I was just like you know there's so many more layers that I had to peel 
to learn a little bit more about where I'm from. Growing up, I actually wanted to assimilate as much as I could. I went to a largely white school, um, but to me that, that wasn't like odd, it was just normal, but I just, I remember sitting in front of a TV, and Spanish was my first language, so I remember sitting in front of a TV and trying to copy the enunciation uh, of the characters on Sesame Street. Um, not, not the tone, but just the enunciation to get it right. And then I would look at myself in the mirror and make sure that my mouth was moving the same way because I just did not want an accent. Well, actually, most people never told me I had an accent. People told me, and you, you may have heard this before, you speak so well. Which, like, today I would take it a very different way than I did when I was a kid. But as a kid, it was just, like, it was a compliment. Yeah. And so I wanted to strive to be more of that and less of not that. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think I ever was not that. But I, but I did grow up speaking Spanish as my first language until I was transitioned into a fully Eng English school at, in the second grade. Mm -hmm. My mom was a, a, a teacher in Mexico, so I, I read you know, novels in Spanish at a very early age, I learned to write. Um, so, so I do remember those memories and, and I just, the older I got, the, the more I started to appreciate, you know, what happened that I felt so disconnected from the place that my parents called home and from, from everything that I tried to separate myself from for so long. So that, that's when I kind of like put myself, put my head in some books uh, started reading a little bit about Mexico's history and also about the different cultural groups within Mexico that now live in in the U.S. today. I started learning about Chicanos, the Pachucos, you know, and and like about these different subcultures because even within the Mexican population in the U.S., we are so diverse, and I think that that's very beautiful. <laughs> So now we're going to transition topics to Latina Equal Pay Day, which is today, November 20th. And if you guys don't know about this day, don't feel guilty. I actually just learned about this day a couple weeks ago. And I think there's just more and more awareness through Instagram. If you do hashtag Latina Equal Pay Day, you can learn a little bit more. But Leanne's going to give us some stats you may or may not know of. And she's going to tell us what does Latina Equal Pay Day actually mean? Yeah, so Latina Equal Pay Day it actually represents the day how many months more we we latinas would have to work to earn as much as a non-hispanic white male so that's what it means and there are several paydays uh throughout the year as you may know um so march 5th asian american women's equal pay day april 19th white women's equal equal pay day june 10th there's actually a mom's equal pay day you have August 22nd for black women, September 23rd for Native American, and you have November 20th, which is for Latinas. It's wild. You don't have to go very far to find these examples. And when I go back home, I, within my immediate family, there's people who are the prime example of these women who are at the very bottom in terms of the wage disparity. So... And you'll you know the stat, but um, Latinas earn fifty three cents to the males, non Hispanic white males, one dollar, and that is a big difference. But um, at the very bottom sits Latinas in sales, and Latinas in sales. Wow. So I'm a Latina in sales. You are, are you? Yeah. So I'm I'm very excited to hear this. Stat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
for Latinas in sales, they earn 52 cents. So one cent be below the average, which doesn't sound significant, but it is when you rack up, when you rack it up um, for every dollar the non-Hispanic white uh, male makes. Um, so that is the, the, the way that this averages out is because Latinas are overrepresented in low-wage jobs. But even in low-wage jobs, the disparity is just off the charts, right? So in, in sales, Latinas are paid much less than non-Hispanic white men. And then in service jobs, that's the next worst one at 61 cents. So it... I find these examples when I go home with my family. I have at home people in my family working in sales and I hear about these struggles and yeah, they learn that, you know, people who are doing the exact same job that they are, are making way more. And it's that, that is a situation where you just can't, it, there's no way to rationalize it, right? It's just unfair. When Eliza and I were in the interview, we were so surprised about those stats she just gave us, being Latina in sales. This is actually what Eliza's doing at the moment. We also asked Leanne if there's anything we can do to make a change. And she said that there are two things that go into factor. A systemic change, which is access to these opportunities and higher position jobs, but also a person-by-person -person change, which is asking for a raise. So of course, we had to ask her if she could break down the best way to ask for a raise the person by person changes or the more individual changes right it's it's what you typically hear about asking for a raise and how to negotiate and what can you negotiate um, and something that's less often talked about which was actually brought up in a recent panel that I had with um, a founder of a fintech company also Latina uh, Ramona Ortega she's founder of My Money My Future um, she brought up intergenerational wealth so basically preparing the next generation of your family to be better off than you were by starting to diversify your investments now, by starting your savings now, by starting to think about how it is that you're going to grow your wealth that you're going to pass on. In terms of asking for a raise, let's start with that first. Um, you can be very objective and still come out winning, come out on top. Um, and by objective, I mean like doing your research um, about what are all the jobs that I'm doing. Rarely does your job title actually say how much you're worth. When you start looking at all of the roles that you're taking on, all the responsibilities, all the added like one-offs that turned into the whole year, everything that you're doing and start looking at what is the salary in my city on like Glassdoor for this kind of job and add those all up, you start getting a better sense of what you should be making. Um, so don't discount the value of research and walking into a room prepared where you have your bullets of, this is what I achieved in the last year. These are the roles I'm taking on. You know, it's way more than your job title. Look at everything that you're doing and look at how you're growing too. And that's those are places that you can ask for a raise. You provided the company a service. What what are the services that you provided them and what are the hard costs? There's research online that will tell you what people in these roles make in your city and in your area so you can weigh it accordingly. And I think that that will, that will work a lot in your favor. Also remember, salary isn't the only thing at stake. You can negotiate your bonus. You can negotiate uh, in a new job your vacation days. 
and healthcare. Another thing that is very uh, weighing, very much weighing on Latinas right now is that they don't have decent access to benefits. And for these women who tend to be the single breadwinners of their home and single mothers, that is a big burden. You want to make sure that you talk about your benefits and talk about your health. I mean, I think when we're young, sometimes we tend to put that aside or, you know, let it let it fall off the wayside because because we say we're, we're young, we're sprite, we're healthy. Mm-hmm. But you want to think about life insurance and perhaps what insurance you can offer your family through your job because that's a possibility. So talking about money often feels like a taboo. Within my close group of friends, we are very open about talking about money, but that doesn't really help me when I'm trying to figure out what I'm getting paid or what I should be getting paid in my industry because we're all in different industries and I really end up only relying on research. So we asked Leanne, what are her thoughts about this? Should we just rely on research? Right, right. I think that research is only part of it. Research is being is is feeling empowered and knowing how much you're worth. But sometimes you may still not get that. So in that case, you do need to break that taboo. And I think you know there's been enough uh, speech and articles at this point about how we should be talking about this even though we're not. Uh, one thing I think it's important to know, it's illegal for a new employer to ask you how much you made at your previous job. That is one thing that people should definitely know. Yeah. <laughs> new York employers will still do that. Okay. I've had it. I filled out forms where people asked me and when people asked me how much I made at my previous job, I put zero, 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 zero. (laughs) Because I could have also gone the opposite direction and put a ridiculously high number. But I I just, I want to make sure that Latinas feel empowered to say no if they ever get that question and anyone for that matter. Because employers are not allowed to ask you this question. It, it 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 can lead to undervaluing your work and why should it matter anyway what matters is the skill set that you're bringing to the table and what it how it's valued by that company um so that's something to know but i i don't i think people do need to be talking about salary and i can tell you i've spoken with my colleagues about salary i think it really depends the kind of relationship that you've built with them whether you can reach the topic because obviously i wouldn't walk up to just anyone and ask them how much they make mm-hmm. but i think the more that you talk about these issues, the more that you'll find that people start to open up because it's in everyone's best interest to share salary. When speaking about salary, sometimes you may across information you had no idea of, like finding out that someone who has the same job as you is getting paid more. What do you do if you find yourself in that situation? Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's a very valid question. I think that, again, value your work. Figure out what it is you're bringing to the table and there may be cases where two people have the same job title but are doing different things you know there may be a person that is truly going above and beyond but if you were to analytically and it's hard to take emotion out of this because i do think business and money is very personal it nothing is ever just business especially when it comes to something like salary and you know your your livelihood depends on it So I would try to take as an objective, try to remove yourself, try to make it as unemotional as possible because it will help you wonders in terms of crafting this pitch for a raise and in the boardroom. You don't want to be emotional about this. You want to break down what it is that you're doing and what are the hard costs associated with your work and your progress and where you've gotten the company. At the end of the day, 
this is where it is just business. In addition to her 9 to 5, Leanne also has a weekly newsletter called Monera Moves, and this is speaking to the power of Latinx in business, our relationship with money, and the role in the American economy. So I do have a uh, a, a weekly to a bi-weekly newsletter, depending on the headlines, called Moneda Moves, and it's a weekly digest of Latinos and our role and context in the American economy. So ever since I've been in New York, I fell into business news, and I, again, I noticed that there wasn't something like this, something that spoke to Latinos about uh, the, the movers and shakers and how as a community we're really playing a role in in the economy which is huge I mean we have huge contributions to the economy and we're making new businesses at record rates and turning a profit so uh, this this newsletter is kind of a digest of here's what's going on this week you know about Latinos and money here are the big entrepreneurs to keep an eye on and very succinct uh, yep there's one of them who's on Instagram it's a little bit Yep, yep, yep. And then you can click the link in bio. It's at tinyletter.com slash moneda moves. All right. Now we're at the part of the podcast where we actually on some quick financial tips like budgeting in New York City, What's a 401k? Investing 101. What's the best app to use? Leanna is always talking about money and she has the insight to the best practices. Budgeting, I would keep an eye on your account for sure, but uh, a little bit. I mean, there's there's a few apps that you can use for budgeting, right? I'm sure you've heard of Mint. Um, honestly, like don't underestimate spreadsheets okay. um, to, to a lot a certain part of your salary because sometimes you'll see it come in and you're like, I'm in the green. I'm good. But you definitely want to make sure you say this percent is going towards entertainment some people as a matter of fact I've spoken to entrepreneurs who completely once they hit a certain like salary that they're making a year they completely make a separate account and they're like this is an account I can't touch this is my account for entertainment Mm -hmm. so I'm not there yet (laughs) but that is goals That is goals Um, because you definitely you definitely want to be thinking about like this is the percent of my money that I'm going to just dedicate to investing. You know, I'm going to put money out there to make money. And that's something I'm also stealing from Ramona Ortega. I hope she listens to this because she's just going to be like, this girl's just reading a, a, a copy of my book right now. <laughs> I know because she's awesome. I yeah, she's, she's really cool. Are you guys on her platform actually? No, I don't know. Um, so, so. FinTech financial technology is a growing industry and Ramona Ortega is probably one of the biggest people in New York City that's like leading the helm, especially in the people of color community. And she's creating this platform called My Money, My Future, which is exactly for people like you and I. I think it's that's the archetype she's looking for to start figuring out how to diversify uh, your income and how to... Uh, how to figure out your personal finances. So exactly what you're doing. So if I had any advice, I would say try it out because I'm, I'm trying it out too right now. I would go ahead and try and open a Robinhood account. Okay. It's like very like intuitive. And as a matter of fact, if you wanted to learn a little bit about some of the companies that you can invest in, I love this podcast called Robinhood Snacks. And so it's like at the top of the day, you hear a little bit about the companies entering the public market and they tell you how the company's doing. They have interviews with the C-level executives. They have their mission and vision, but they also have like like kind of reports on it's it's not investment advice but it's just kind of like a small digest to get to dabble to to figure out you know okay what's going on in this landscape what are the companies I could invest in Mm -hmm. and then you can do a little bit more research and get a little more involved and then the other thing that's kind of like a a no-brainer is your 401k 
right? Like make sure you're taking advantage of that. And if you are a contractor, then you can still like get an external company to put your 401k in. And when you leave a job and if you're switching like companies where you would put your 401k, don't forget that it's back there. So make sure to transfer it over. People often forget passwords. Yep. And then, you know, they forgot. Don't get lost in the shuffle. There are other companies that you could go to Mm -hmm. and open a 401k with them. So there's like your typical companies like Fidelity. But um, I I could give you a list. So for the last question, this is a question that we want to use to close off all of our interviews. And that is, what is something that most people don't know about your culture? about Mexican culture. I guess it's just like the diversity of of just food and and the, the languages that we speak. I feel like um within like just US culture, we people have a really like one face kind of mm. depiction of what Mexican is. For Cinco de Mayo to be honest, I try not to not to like um, be out on the streets too much because I just feel like we we don't understand how culturally rich Mexico is and up to a few years ago I probably didn't even understand how culturally rich Mexico was it's such a huge country with such old history and the all the like indigenous communities that shaped it before colonization were so um, advanced Everything that they were able to do, all of the, like, everything, all the communities that they were able to run, um, it's just supremely impressive. Um, so I, I, I don't know, I don't think that's, like, one thing, but I think, like, the impression of Mexican culture, it's very shallow. Mm-hmm. It tends to be very shallow in the U.S., and I would love for people to, to take more interest in Mexico and, and all the richness that it has to offer. All right, guys, that is the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. And I apologize for the audio. Again, we're still testing this out and it's our first podcast, but we wanted to make it the best for you as possible. Next week, Eliza will be back on the podcast and we are interviewing someone that you guys might follow. She's based in New York and she's an Afro-Latina and we absolutely love her and she has great things to say. So that one's going to be more conversational and a little bit more natural when it's flowing. Um, But that is pretty much it. I do want to ask you guys to follow us on Instagram if you don't already. It's at Latina Without Borders. And there it's very easy to click on everyone. We're going to tag everyone that we interview, any quotes that stand out, and just any sneak peeks and behind the scenes. Also, if you have not done so already, please rate and subscribe. It would be great because we want to keep you guys in this community. And also, any comments, reviews, we love to hear from you so we can make sure that we're delivering the content that you want to hear. That is it for today and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.